1: We're reacting to week two and looking to priority waiver wire targets for week three on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into RotoViz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at RotoViz, here to react to week two, start to look ahead to week three. We have some game notes for you, have some waiver wire priority targets. It is going to be just me for this episode. The plan for this week, as will be throughout the course of the season, is Curtis and I uh, should be here every night together, uh, with the exception of sometimes Thursdays. Normally, Curtis will be here for these reaction episodes and will be here when we do the weekly GLSP projection preview Uh, and then thursdays we're going to be looking at some of the passing matchups which i was pretty pleased to see that the new tool that we had rolled out for this year did a pretty good job of identifying the matchups that were going to be favorable and those that were going to be unfavorable for wide receivers and tight ends based upon the alignment play data that we have at our disposal so We've got to start off, as we always do, with the Fantasy Player of the Week. And this one is going to go to Tua and basically the entire Miami Dolphins offense. Wow. First of all, what a game that was uh, between Miami and Baltimore. This was one of those where I had to step away for about a half hour, came back. All of a sudden, Tyreek Hill was back in the game. He and Jalen Waddell were going absolutely bananas. You have Lamar Jackson being incredible, all kinds of stuff going on. But for a player that has been much maligned, how good of a performance must this have felt for Tua? Comes out in his week two contest And puts up six passing touchdowns, did throw two picks, but also passed for 469 yards, 72% completion percentage, and leads his team to 22 first downs um, in a pretty solid NFL EPA, and also puts up 38.9 fantasy points, which I'm not going to look it up. I am pretty confident in telling you that is the highest total of his career. So good for Tua, but what we've seen now out of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill is absolutely incredible. Uh, over the weekend, we saw Tyreek Hill get 13 targets not to be outdone. Jalen Waddle put up nine... We also saw Tyreek put up 42 PPR points. Jalen Waddle, 40.1. I know this was just one game. And of course, when you add in the two weeks now, you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both in the top five. Uh, Cooper Cup is at 63.6 PPR. Tyreek Hill is at 60. Amon Ross St. Brown at 59.8. Then Jalen Waddle at 57.8. I think that it's pretty safe to say at this point, we can conclude that the theory that Waddle and Hill playing to, with each other could really boost each other up or at least allow Waddle or not prevent him from reaching that potentially elite sphere. Um, the case is, is looking pretty much like they're able to really benefit each other. Uh, and this Miami offense was just really Really impressive with what they were able to do over the weekend. I expect this to continue. Uh, And it's pretty exciting. You know, it's always fun when we have these teams that take the steps forwards we were expecting and just let these fantasy players rack up a lot of points. And we also got to see a Mike Gasicki touchdown over the weekend. Now, unfortunately, not all of the performances we quite as exciting. Our snoozer of the week. We tried to give him a pass after week one. A player that we talked a lot about. And unfortunately, I had some teams where I wasn't even confident to roll him out heading into week two. As we head into week three now, Cole Komet, it is sad but true, but you are going to put him on your bench until proven otherwise. Cole Komet, two games, two targets, zero receptions, naturally zero receiving yards, one air yard. I kid you not, one air yard. He was negative in week one, Manages to get back into the positives in week two cumulatively, but has an air yard share of uh, 0.4, less than a percent. Not where you want to be. He is our snoozer of the week. Of course, wasn't a great game either for Darnell Mooney. Um, At this point, Darnell Mooney has seen five targets, two receptions, It has four receiving yards. Justin Fields was able to find the end zone with his legs, which gave him a little bit of redeeming quality. But yeah, things are not going the way we would have hoped for the Bears uh, at this point in the season. And Cole Komet, it's looking like Curtis, myself, and many others are going to have to take an L on him this year because it is just really not coming together for him. and at this point, given that low volume, given what we've seen in Chicago's offense, it's hard to feel otherwise. I think it's a little bit different than Kyle Pitts, who oof, he's had a real real rough go of it uh, to open the year. You know a lot of fantasy managers out there very upset. 10 targets though, four receptions, 38 yards. 10 targets, I think that could creep up. I think we're gonna see him be able to rebound. He's a good enough player that the volume will continue and we will see it turn into something. Um, so those are some quick thoughts there on Kyle Pitts. Let's let's get off of these snoozers though. it's depressing. Let's start talking about waiver wire priority targets. As we've mentioned, uh, we have an article that will come out every Monday morning on Rotovis that's going to go real in-depth into looking at the waiver wire plays that you might want to make. I'm going to, so that I don't step on the toes of all of that, I'm going to offer up just a couple for you to consider. We had talked about Darrow Williams, Curtis and I over the summer, especially early on as a player that we were getting on best ball teams with the idea being that he'd be the player behind James Conner, who, if their offense was working correctly uh, and they could incorporate two backs, would be the player that would be most like Connor, would be able to fill in, get some rushing attempts, and passing here and there, and the goal line carries. Well, James Connor looks like could be dealing with, believe it's a knee injury, heading into week three. We'll have to see what things look like beyond that uh but you know he's probably going to be the guy that you want i know eno benjamin's there and is interesting as well because of the ability for him to get plugged in as a receiver and he's very good at that but i think with what we saw with what we saw and what we could expect i think that you're going to see williams being the player Um, that you want to have because of the mixture of receiving work with goal line work and regular rushing attempts. Now he did not play in week one, but in week two, uh, Williams managed to get eight rushing attempts after Connor went down. He saw, um, three targets managed to score a rushing touchdown, put up 7.4 yards per rushing attempt. So it was a really solid outing for him. I think that if you're in a league where he's available, he's a player I would probably go after. Um, Odd game, by the way, for Arizona. It was looking really, really bleak for a while. And then that one turned into a really fun game. We've had some really good games um, in these first two opening weeks the other name that I will offer up here is going to come at the wide receiver position. I know some people don't like when you say wide receiver position or running back position, but whatever. Um, The name that I wanted to call out here is actually Greg Dorch, uh, another player in Arizona. So, we don't know when Rondale Moore is going to be back. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is still out. Dortch was a player that we weren't expecting to be talking about at the beginning of the season, but through two games, has over 15% target share, is seeing uh, more than six targets a game, uh, and has found the end zone. Um It's looking like you're going to continue to see Kyler Murray looking his way during games. So though he was named that you weren't expecting heading into the year, I think he's somebody that you're going to want to go after and get, especially if you need reliable targets over the course of the next couple of weeks. Obviously, there's players out there like uh, Josh Palmer, who you may have expected. I think Sterling Shepard would be another guy that you might want to consider. Uh, But if I had to put top priority uh, for a team in need of a wide receiver now, in need of those targets, it would definitely be Dorch. So you have two Arizona Cardinals flying high off of that uh, real thrilling victory in week two moving forward. Uh, From a dynasty perspective, this is normally where we would let Curtis weigh in. Um, Players that you might be interested in. um, I think we're going to, we'll cycle back to this one next week. Um, You know, maybe you would float out Noah Brown uh, quickly looking up what he was able to do here, but we will talk a little bit more. About Dallas later on in Uh, at this point, though, in the young season, we do see Noah Brown. Let me get you the exact number here. Don't recall these off the top of my head. So Noah Brown, 14 targets, its target share of almost 20 percent, has 10 receptions, 159 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. So that becomes very interesting. Uh, with what he's been able to do here, um, in, in the start of the season. So, you know, is a 26 year old player, uh, played at Ohio state actually, but has now been in the professional ranks for a while. Um, so, (laughs) I think this is one of those in this weird situation that we have in Dallas this year. So maybe I'm going to take that. I'm going to walk that back a little bit. I actually did not realize he had been in the league this many years. So I'm going to say that maybe from a dynasty perspective, he would not be the player that I'd want to call out here. And uh, we will revisit um, some of Curtis's thoughts. Dorch would probably look like the better guy here. Um, from a dynasty perspective, but I'm not sure that either of those players or really anybody that I see this week are ones that you'd want to go out um, and really seek
0: in your dynasty waiver wire. All right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: Learn more at marines.com. Let's hit up some game notes. So speaking of Dallas, C.D. Lamb, I think it's worth revisiting. Obviously he's not going to be coming out of lineups. It looked like a lot of hope was lost for him after a really poor week one, after the injury to Dak Prescott But I don't know, maybe uh, Cooper Rush being in there is actually a good thing for CD. So we saw him um, in week two put together a more compelling performance. Lamb had 11 targets. That's a 36.7 target share, uh, only a 64% catch rate, but did put up 75 yards. Also got one rushing attempt. Four, six yards. Then we think about what Lamb saw in week one, where he actually had a pretty good workload, just wasn't able to convert. And at this point in the season, Lamb is over 20 targets. He is the most targeted player in Dallas. And if that continues to happen, even without Dak, I think that you're still looking at a player that is possibly gonna salvage a season i mean there's a handful of players looks like maybe 10 or 11 that have more targets at this point uh his real problem is though he's at a catch percentage of just 40.9 the catch percentage isn't gonna stay down there you're not gonna see cd lamb end the year at 40.9 it should come up to somewhere i would say at least closer to 60 so i think we start to see things playing out a little bit better for lamb as the season moves on. At this point, though, he's at 20 PPR. That's still 10 points a game, pretty far from what you would have been hoping for. Uh, you would have been hoping that he would have been stepping into the elite. I think, though, Lamb is in that wide receiver two territory moving forward. Do with that thought what you will in the context of your teams. I'm not saying that I would go out there and actively try to acquire Lamb for the season. But I do think that if you were able to structure something for him where you're getting him onto your team at like a wide receiver to value, I think that would be something that you might be interested in doing because there still would be some upside there. Uh, I think even in the context of Lamb not being in a position right now where he's really succeeding and some might consider it to be a bit of a failure thus far, he's still doing okay. That was the first note that I had for you. Uh, We talked a little bit about Kyle Pitts earlier. Just wanted to call that out again. uh, Not so much Pitts, just as what Drake London has been able to do. These are really impressive things for rookie wide receivers. So London at this point in two games, 19 targets, 13 receptions, 160 yards and receiving touchdown. Naturally, we will have to let the season shake out, but it's looking like we have a really good group of young wide receivers. Um, and you have Traylon Burks playing tonight. Now, the last I saw you had about four receptions, I want to say it looked like he was around 50 yards. But even without him, Garrett Wilson putting things together. In his second week in the league, he's at 22 targets, target share of 22%, has two receiving touchdowns, 154 yards, almost 20 points per game. And then you've got Jahan Dotson uh, in the mix as well. Two games, only 10 targets, but seven receptions, three receiving touchdowns. And he has a total of around 36 points. So this class is looking like it could turn into a really, really solid uh, group of uh, (laughs) Wookiee... Yes, of uh, Chewbacca-wide receivers, of rookie-wide receivers here. And I honestly haven't even really sat down and looked at every rookie, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a performance out there that I'm leaving off while I kind of do my quick review here for this episode. So I thought that was really notable. Speaking of Dotson, though, not to keep at it because we talked about this a little bit last week, but at this point, Carson Wentz is the QB two, not including the players that are playing tonight. So you're going to remove Josh Allen out of the equation, which would push him down. Uh, Ryan Tannehill wouldn't be in this mix, uh, or, um, cousins or Jalen hurts. But the point is Carson Wentz is really looking like a fantasy player that could be a major contributor for a lot of teams. Has 55.5 fantasy points at this point, has already passed for seven touchdowns, 650 yards, uh, and has thrown 87 times. So the commanders are throwing a lot. Wentz is converting 66% of passes. That's turning into a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns at this point. I think that's going to continue roundabout way of saying if your team could potentially use some quarterback help and Wentz is on the waiver wire. I actually think that uh, he's a player I would try to get on my team. I added him on a couple last week paid a bit of a hefty price for what could be a backup quarterback or maybe a streamer level, but I think that he's going to be usable um, in a capacity that's greater than your typical streamer. So I think that's worth worth noting. Uh, another note that I had here while I was watching these games is, and I think a lot of people would agree with this: it's looking like C E H Clyde Edwards Lair is the back in Kansas City that you want. Uh, we saw him start off pretty well in that Thursday night contest. Got banged up a little bit after getting stepped on, but um, still managed to be the back controlling that backfield there in Kansas City. It's an offense that is remaining uh, one that allows its players to do pretty well. Uh, So at this point for Edward to 38.2 points uh, in two games, keep in mind, didn't miss a little of that game, as I mentioned, and we do see Jarek McKinnon doing some of the things that we thought he could. And of course you have uh, Pacheco there as well, but I think that uh, you're going to see Edward layer here really making a solid case to finish, uh, pretty highly in the running back two territory. Um, so, you know, if any of these guys are available on your waiver wire at this point, I think you want them in terms of what you do. If you're a CEH owner, you could try to sell high. I actually think I'd be more interested in holding because uh, at this point we still have some games coming up for Kansas city that would set up as spots for CEH where he could really have some padded stats. So that's kind of a quick look at some of my thoughts through, uh, the games that we had over the weekend. Um, I probably should talk though about Nick Chubb here because he did really slip in drafts. And at this point, um, you know, just looking like such a steal. I know Curtis did a main event draft. He and Blair, I believe they got him in the fourth round. Um, So, yeah, really, really impressive stuff there from Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt actually still up pretty high in the rankings. And Jacoby Brissett, granted, not against the greatest competition, doing enough at this point to allow a couple of players on that team to... Be significant fantasy contributors. You know, oddly enough, we're kind of seeing the same thing in New York with Joe Flacco. And I think a lot of that is because they've brought in a lot of talented players. Now you have Corey Davis finding the end zone, as we talked about with Garrett Wilson doing pretty well. One of the losers in that whole equation, I guess, would be Elijah Moore at this point, eight receptions on 12 targets does not have a touchdown. Um, you know, falling far behind the rookie uh, Garrett Wilson there, who, as I mentioned earlier, already has 22 targets. You know, there's some more options in the running game. Now we've talked about Michael Carter being a fairly talented player. Then you inject Brees Hall with the first uh, touchdown of his career over the weekend, and it's easy to see why Moore's share of that offense wouldn't be as high as it was. So hopefully you enjoyed the Monday night games. You picked up your second win of the year in your leagues. You can get these guys on the waiver wire, and we will be back tomorrow to talk through some of these GLSP projections heading into week three. Uh, if you want to have any specific questions, to answer topics talked about, you could send those our way, or you could look out uh, for the live stream that we will do of that episode on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, look up uh, Rotoviz video. You'll find things there. We should start around eight 30 and until then we will see you tomorrow.